Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show. I am Brian Anthony Davis from Steel Curtain Network as a part of Fans First Sports Network. And so glad to be here because, you know, things have been changing. We are no longer going to be affiliated with Vox Media and SB Nation. We wish them well, but we were let go. And uh, we are going to go ahead and uh, move forward with a lot of great stuff happening. And one of those guys moving forward with me is one of my good buddies. I don't know if he knows that he's one of my closest friends because we talk to to each other every week, even though we've never shaken hands. But this man I revere, his name is Kevin Thatcher Smith. He is the three-time, I believe, state champion of the New Jersey, excuse me, the New Jersey high school, Ocean City Red Raiders. What's up, KT? Hey, Brian. Thank you. Uh, that's a uh, flattering introduction. I, I always, you, you always uh, pump me up there in the beginning there. I, I appreciate it. But Am I right about I'm, three times? Yeah, three times since I've been there. We've been in seven, uh, well, we've been in, in six championship games, one, three, lost three, and then in the COVID year of 2020, we were we made it to the championship game, but it, it never happened because of the team that we were supposed to play wound up uh, having to pull out with some COVID issues. So you know that's a that's the one that got away. That we'll so I'm counting you. That's about. four time. I, I count it. I recognize it. Oh, you want to count that? One? Okay, sure. Yeah, you I'm not going to no, say no why, to that. <laughs> why not? If they had to pull out, so was yeah. there? Is the uh, does the ledger say vacant? Yeah, well, I don't think that the that the state was recognizing a true state champion that year because, uh, you know, how difficult the year had been. And so they wound up like instead of running like a regular tournament, they they took the, the best teams and they put them in pods and the, the pods all played each other. But that was probably the best team I've ever coached. We were undefeated going into that championship game and just rolling through people and that's a shame. That was a gut punch. The game was scheduled to be on a Friday night. And on Wednesday afternoon, we got a phone call that said that the other team was pulling out. So I remember when you went through that. Yeah. Yeah. What a year, man. What a, what a bizarre year just in, in so many ways, you know? So, well, I'm getting you a trophy and I'm going to come down and present it and uh, (laughs) I'm going to put 2020 on it. We'll have a banquet. Uh, We'll get, we'll get, we'll get some people to go get, get the football boosters to get some Jersey mics and we'll have a banquet and uh, we'll just go ahead and uh, I'll present that trophy. All right. I'm, I'm with you, man. Except not Jersey mics. That's a, you know, that's shoe food. So you can, you can look up what a shoe is, but <laughs> are, are you going to get me a, can you get me a better sub? I go, oh, please. A hundred percent. All right. 100%. Then I'm in. Uh, I'm going to okay. trust you on that then. All right. You got it. You got it. All it's right. Good. I was just going cheap, but if you can get me a, a better sub because I, I really love those. So I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind expanding my palate. Yeah. Well, one thing Jersey can do is, is, uh, is subs and sandwiches, cheese steaks, all sorts of that stuff. So, you know, maybe not so much on uh cooth and etiquette, but heavy on sandwiches. <laughs> oh, I don't care about cooth and etiquette. I, I, I want me a good sandwich. You know, I've never had an official Philly cheesesteak in Philly. Cause I've never spent much time there. So, you gotta get you gotta take me there okay all right well, we're not going to we're not going to patrogino's they're they're good those are the two legendary places but there's way better so who's the best be 
Well, you can pretty much get a great one anywhere you go, but uh, right near right near Citizens Bank Park uh, in South Philly, there's a tremendous place, uh, and, I, and its name is escaping me right now. I've been there probably five or six times, but it's just a hole-in-the-wall little corner deli, and uh, they make some banging cheesesteaks. So you, that's usually it. how it works out. You know, the, the, the under-the-radar places tend to be better than the ones that, that carry the reputations. Most deaf, yeah. So, hey, let's get in it. The Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. you know, we're really close to free agency. I mean, this is happening, Kevin. Yes, and, sir. you know, we've talked about the offense in the past, but the defense needs some work. And I kind of think, and we talked about this on the preview last night, that when you look at the Steelers' defense, you don't know the direction that they're going to go. You know they're going to take care of it in the draft as well, but free agency is definitely going to go ahead and guide how they go in the draft. You know, a lot of people are saying that there are not a lot of, uh, that this is not a very deep draft with guys with first round grades, but the corners are deep. So where's the first place you go in free agency, Kevin, on the defensive side to help set up that draft? I don't know if this is going to be a popular answer, but I would go to linebacker because I think that the Steelers have some depth on their defensive line. I definitely think that they need to add on the D line, but uh, there are some, there's some issues sometimes signing uh, free agent defensive linemen. They, they tend to be a little bit like offensive linemen, older in the tooth, uh, you know, guys who are like in their thirties, maybe looking for a one last big payday. And sometimes those guys get bogged down with injury issues or younger guys who are hitting their first free agent market and, you know, are going to command really huge salaries. So quite honestly, if I'm the Steelers and I'm considering free agency on the defensive line, I'm going to look in-house and try and re-sign Larry Ogunjobi because I think he did a, a great job. And then you go to the corner position and that's where the price tag is really high. I mean, even Cameron Sutton, you know, who's a good player for the Steelers, but I, I wouldn't say he's a great player. I'd say he's a good player. Uh, and certainly the best corner on the Steelers, but he's going to command somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to $12 million a year. And so if you want to upgrade on Cam Sutton, then, then you're in it for more than that. So, so for me, I think the Steelers need to try to stay in house and look to the draft on the defensive line and, and at the corner position, which brings me to the linebackers, man. You know, you and I talked about this on the show Last week, actually, the guy I love is, is TJ Edwards from the Philadelphia Eagles, who I, I think is uh, uh, the kind of linebacker who you can pair with Miles Jack and give the Steelers two athletic physical guys who can go sideline to sideline, who can play every down. And um, I think that that really would be, you know, the, the guy I would try to get to target in free agency and make a run at. Now, with that being said, does anybody stay that's a free agent in house? Uh, you know, I look, we're not going to talk about Devin Bush Jr. We we're pretty, we, everybody on this network would be shocked if he's back, you know, but the guy that we do need to talk about is number 41, Robert Spillane. Do they look and give him another deal? Has he done enough to get a deal from somebody else or is, should he be a priority um, for depth? You know, anytime you talk about free agency, we all know that it comes down to money and that 
the guys who are willing to work with the Steelers, the guys who are in-house, who seem to want to come back to Pittsburgh and are willing to, to take deals that are more on the Steelers' terms than on their own. Because you know how the Steelers do things. They're going to make an offer that's going to be, you know, commensurate with the, the league market, but they're not going to go over that. You know, they're not going to break the bank for a guy. So if you're, if you're a, a returning Steeler and you've got desires to come back, um, you're going to have to work within that framework. I think that Robert Spillane could be a guy who does that. I think he's got a good niche in Pittsburgh. If I'm the Steelers, I'm really going to try to re-sign him because I think if the Steelers keep keep Miles Jack in house, all right, don't cut him loose. They could cut him loose and save about eight million dollars, but I don't think that that's a smart move because to upgrade on Miles Jack, you're going to have to probably spend more than that, or at least as much. Why spend that much money for a guy who's got to learn your system all over? So I'd keep Miles Jack. Go out and try and get a guy like T.J. Edwards, who you can pair with Jack as a, an every-down backer integrate Mark Robinson more into the mix, a guy who showed an awful lot of potential, but clearly needs work. He's not, he's definitely not yet there yet as a pass defender. Uh, and then add, add your banger, man, add, add Robert Spillane, who has shown that, man, he can really play the run. And that if uh, one of, one of those starters goes down that uh, while he is a bit of a liability in pass coverage, he's dependable. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good season this past year. So I absolutely would make a run at Spillane provided he doesn't get a bigger offer that's more attractive somewhere else. So if you do that and say that all works out perfectly, I like the Robinson idea. I like the Spillane idea. So say the clouds align perfectly and TJ Edwards is in here and you still have miles Jack and you're looking and miles Jack could be a guy that could be restructured very easily. So that's a, that's a guy I look at as a possibility just i mean i'm pretty sure he's staying for that reason and omar khan knows how to do that stuff so do you still look at an inside linebacker in the draft probably but not till the later rounds i i don't know if given the fact that the steelers have some clear other needs if, if you go let's let's just say the steelers go the free agent route at linebacker and they bring in a guy like edwards um that that now means that you're probably going to have to address corner in the draft. You're going to have to address offensive line in the draft. You're going to have to address defensive line in the draft. And so those three positions will now most likely take priority over inside linebacker. Um, and, you know, there's still the edge position to, 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 to think about as well, because while the duo of TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith is one of the best in the league behind them, you have very, very little. So I think if you go the free agent route at inside backer, it minimizes both the need and the ability to take a, an inside backer high in the draft. Very good. That's really interesting. So that's our plan for inside linebacker. But where hey, wait, it is... Brian, before we, before we leave the inside backer conversation, let me ask you a question. Yeah, hit me. Uh, the news... The news came out uh, just a, a couple of days ago that the Rams are releasing Bobby Wagner. Do you have any interest there? Hell of a hell of a football player, but clearly later on in his career, and uh, and probably got looking for, for some some decent bucks. Yeah, I we had this conversation last year, and absolutely, I would take a guy like that. But there's got to be a point in somebody's career where they're taking the veteran minimum. 
And so I, you know, I don't think that he becomes a priority unless he's a veteran minimum at this point, especially with where his age is now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I would, I would always, I'm kicking the tires on everybody, Kevin. I have no problem doing that. And you're not doing your job if you don't kick the tires on them, but it's gotta be, it cannot be the luxury pick. He cannot, I mean, this is not where you spend big money. There's, there's places where you spend big money to bring a free agent in on this team. Inside linebacker is one of them, but it would have to be an Edwards. You can't go that route for a guy that might be a one-year deal or a one-year rental. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in agreement. I I love Bobby Wagner as a player. Love you know loved him a lot more a couple of years ago, but I think you're right. He, he he said he wanted to go to a contender where he can win now. You know I don't know if he believe if he would believe that Pittsburgh's in that position. Uh, there's probably you know, probably a team like if like let's say Philly loses TJ Edwards, which it looks like they're going to. I mean, there there's a team that might have some money to throw at him, and he obviously would have the interest given the fact that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender again. So, yeah, he probably will be out of the price range, and at his age and the terms of his deal, probably wouldn't be a good match for the Steelers. Yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, Kevin. So, you know, before we go ahead and move on to the edge, I want to jump in with Aaron Curry. So that was made official today. Aaron, actually yesterday, Aaron Curry is going to be coaching the inside linebackers in Pittsburgh. Uh, he He's highly, uh, highly respected in this league, was a top five pick, but it's also at the expense of someone that is very revered in Pittsburgh since uh, before he was drafted by the Steelers in 1989. And I remember that awesome rookie season, uh, just being a member of the Pitt Panthers, the one and only Jerry O, Jerry Osowski. So talk about that hire and what that hire means to bringing in somebody as far as to help the inside linebacker and the inside linebacker uh, stable. The neck. Sad to see the neck go, Jerry O, man. You know, in the age of uh, uh, when he played, everybody in the who played linebacker wore a big old neck, neck brace, and Jerry O never did. He had that that massive neck, you know. Um, yeah, you know, long time in the organization, and uh, I think it probably comes down to the fact that the Steelers just needed a change there. That they that ever since Ryan Shazier suffered his injury, which is, which is back in 2017. Now the Steelers have not been able to develop a, an every down linebacker, um, you know, to not, not the, that they were going to have one, a player who could do exactly what Shazier did. Shazier was a pretty special guy, but that everybody that they've brought in and the guys that they've drafted, they just really haven't been able to develop them. You know, maybe, maybe they just kind of felt like, you know, it was time for a new voice. I mean, sometimes that's not so much a reflection on, on, you know, the coach who's outgoing as it is on an opportunity to bring somebody in who's got fresh ideas and a new voice. You know, sometimes you just get stale. You know, sometimes you get to a point where you, you know, sort of do what you do and it, and it sort of clouds you from being able to, to see newer ideas. I don't know what the story was exactly with why they parted ways with Jerry O. 
but it could be, you know, just something where Mike Tomlin said, hey, we, we need a, a new voice in the room with the linebackers because I, I feel as though we've plateaued. And in Aaron Curry, maybe he saw the opportunity uh, to bring in a guy that he respects. And uh, I, I don't know much about Aaron Curry as a coach, uh, but I do know that obviously his pedigree as a player was great. Now, he didn't really pan out in the NFL the way that some thought he would, given how high he was drafted. Um, and that actually sometimes benefits coaches, which is really interesting. Sometimes as a coach, if you didn't succeed for whatever reason to the level as a player, as maybe you thought you would. And if you're self-reflective, which most coaches are, most coaches are, are have the ability to kind of look at themselves in the mirror and be honest, uh, you might recognize the reasons as to why you didn't achieve your potential. And perhaps Aaron Curry's a guy like that. Maybe he sees in himself some of the mistakes that he made that didn't get him to where he could have been as a player. And he's able as a coach to impart that stuff uh, to the players that he coaches. You know, that's a big uh, that's a big, that, that kind of insight is really important with coaches. So I'm just speculating right now. I don't know, but my guess, my guess is that Curry's going to bring something that Mike Tomlin's attracted to and that Jerry O, you know, maybe again, it was just, it was just time, you know, 22 years is a long time. I know you can't answer this question, but say you went, you played college football, say yep. you went on to have, uh, even a cup of coffee in the NFL. Would you be a different head coach in high school football? Or would have that cup of coffee, the cup of coffee didn't last long. Would have it made you stronger as a coach? You kind of intimated to that. Or if you had a eight year career, even as a special teamer in this league, would you be a different coach? I'm sure I would. I, I, I think the one thing that, you know, as you as you continue to advance in, in the profession, the thing that uh, you benefit from is the ability to be around people who uh, are just great at what they do. You and I were talking before the show. We're, we're, we're recording the show on Thursday night. Tomorrow for, on Friday, I'm going over to Atlantic City to uh, one of the one of the best coaching clinics in, in the country, the Glazier Clinic, which is attended annually by thousands of high school, college, and professional coaches. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear some really, really, really sharp coaches talk. I mean, I've heard some great coaches in the past talk at Glazier. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. One of the best Glazier clinics I ever saw was by Mike Munchak when, when he did a deep dive on the inside zone play. and It was utterly fascinating. And, you know, it's just for a coach, it's just an opportunity to soak up the wisdom of some of these guys that have been in the profession for such a long time. And so if you, if you as a player have the opportunity – to uh, to play for those men, uh, to sort of learn some of what they know. I think that it, obviously it, it has an impact upon you. Now, hopefully you're also a person, because I've run across this as well in my years uh, as a coach, You hopefully it doesn't create an ego where, you know, you kind of big time people, like you go back to high school and, and you want to tell everybody about that cup of coffee that you had in the NFL or, or you want to pull the, I played in the NFL card, which some people do. It's interesting. You, you know, I played division three football. I mean, I, you know, I, I had a pretty good career as a di- division three player, but by no means was, was I even close to being able to play in the NFL. Um, but as a division three player, man, you're playing for the love of the game. And it's funny how many really, really good 
NFL coaches came from Division Three because of that love for the game. You know, I mean, Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi, you know, John Gruden. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of uh, I think Chuck no wasn't Chuck Nola Division Three guy at there or a lower level college guy. Lower level, yes. I, I don't yeah. know exactly which one. Yeah. So I mean, you know, the point is like I think that you have an opportunity, no matter what level. Uh, you played at as long as you're around good people as long as you love the game as long as you're willing to grow and to learn to be a great coach if you make it to the league it just sort of broadens your horizons and and it and it gives you an opportunity to be around again man some of the best in the world at what they do and uh and hopefully you're smart enough to benefit from that and then you're humble enough to use it in a way to help others and not at the, you know, for the benefit of your own ego. Wow. That is absolutely spectacular. And we want to talk about these players and what Curry is going to do with these guys. And we're going to talk about what they're going to do with the outside linebackers, because that is a big deal as well. And we're going to do that next when we come back with, here we go. The Steelers show from steel curtain network. She won't look my way. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. KT Smith is along with me. We're wrapping up a great show about defense. Where do you go first? Free agency before the draft. Free agency is coming up. We talked about the inside linebacker position. We talked about Aaron Curry being the new coach, NFL veteran, uh, you know, a big name in the coaching ranks. There's a, a lot of excitement about him coming to the Steel City. So let's go ahead and talk about the fact that there really is not an outside linebackers coach as we speak with Brian Flores being gone as well. So let's talk about the plan at edge rusher. Now we definitely know that TJ Watt is a part of that equation. We also know that Alex Highsmith is there too, but we really got that depth lesson last year when you lost eight games. I believe it was eight with TJ Watt when he went down with the uh, pec injury. So Kevin, we know those guys are going to be there, but you can't, you can't not plan against something happening. No, and and that's a little bit scary when you consider you know the Steelers' depth chart at, at the outside linebacker position. They're they're pretty thin. Uh, you know, you got Jameer Jones, who who was sort of brought in, uh, you know, late in the uh, in the the season. There, he he didn't uh, wasn't on the original roster, and then. Just a, uh, about a month ago, they they re-signed Quincy Roche, who is a, a 20, uh, 20 draft pick who they ended up cutting, and he kind of kicked around in, with the Giants for a couple of years. Um, you know, Malik Reed, who, who played this year as a free agent, doesn't look like he's going to be back, and, uh, and 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 that's it. You know, I mean, it just uh, it's a really thin position group right now that the Steelers are going to have to address. Uh, in the offseason, my my suspicion is they'll probably sign a, a mid-level free agent to to serve as a backup. Now they traded for Malik Reed, uh, but I think that they'll probably look for somebody in the free agent market, uh, 
a veteran player who, who doesn't expect to start and maybe can be insurance if one of those guys goes down. You know, I almost feel like they have to. And do you have any idea? I mean, what level? I mean, are you talking about a Jesse Reed type of guy that not too many people were familiar with? I, I'm not saying bring him back. I'm talking about a player of that kind of stature or somebody that you're like, hmm, I remember that guy. Like, even though he was an inside linebacker, but somebody like a James Ferrier or an Arthur Motes who played both inside and outside. Where do you think they look here? We've we've seen guys in the past. I mean, they brought Mel- Melvin Ingram in just a couple of years ago. That didn't work out because of the uh, the expectations. If they brought Melvin Ingram in in 2022 instead of 2021, Melvin Ingram would have been happy for the most part. But it didn't work out because the expectations were were different for both parties. So how do you see this working out? You know, you're just kind of rattling off some names there. The, the name that I wish that they would have held on to, and I still don't really understand why they cut him, was Jannard Avery. Remember when they signed Jannard Avery last year? Yes. He, he had played both inside and on the edge in Philly, and he had, he'd actually been decent as an edge player in Philly. And uh, I never really understood why the Steelers cut him without a distinct you know backup to take his spot. So I think he'd be a guy that if he were still here um, – would be a person who they could probably, you know, slot into one of those backup roles. But I think if they sign somebody, it'll be somebody along those lines, you know, a player uh, who's a veteran and, you know, maybe has, has had a little bit of starting experience uh, in some other places, but by no means expects to start here. The other part of the equation that's interesting is this. When you think about Quincy Roche, his, his mark is generally made as an edge rusher. He's a, he's a quicker guy. Um, Plays with really good leverage, man. He when he he can really bend an edge. When you watch him pass rush, he's got a great ability to sort of dip and get around the corner against bigger offensive tackles. But he's a bit of a liability in the run game because he's only about 235 pounds and he has a hard time holding up sometimes against bigger offensive linemen. So what do you do then? You know, like if you've if you've got a guy uh, that isn't a great run defender where do you look and the thing that is interesting is that they played the Marvin Leal in that role at times last year when TJ Watt was hurt and and you know I mean he's a big dude he's 280 pounds but he demonstrated that he had a little bit of lateral agility you know he can move side to side a little bit um you know there's some pretty good clips of him where like he's actually not getting reached on on outside zone plays where reach blocks where guys are trying to get to his outside shoulder and he's moving well enough to keep them off him now he's not going to be a great pass rusher off the edge, and you're certainly not going to drop him into into uh, coverage. But if the Steelers can't find a, a serviceable backup in free agency, um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him sort of try and patch it together with, you know, Roche is a situational guy, Leal is a situational guy, you know, and then maybe you know a, a draft pick or or an undrafted free agent or even a Jameer Jones. Uh, I don't think that's the ideal plan, but I think that in a pinch that the Steelers could do that. You see them going towards the draft with an edge rusher and how high? I think that they have to entertain the idea of an edge rusher somewhere in the first four rounds. They got five picks in the first four rounds. And you think to yourself, 
well, all right, well, what, what positions do they need to address? And okay, so let's say that they, that we tick one of these positions off in free agency. They're likely to make one fairly like impact free agent signing, somebody who you project coming in as a starter. Uh, and I, you know, I think that should be at the inside linebacker spot, but it could be at, at any of the following positions, right? You need to address O-line, you need to address D-line, you need to address linebacker, inside backer, you need to address corner. And, you know, so if you get to a fifth spot, you got five picks in those first four rounds, maybe that fifth spot is edge, you know, maybe that's, that's where you go. You know, the Steelers love to take wide receivers and they love to take them in the first three rounds, you know, but like, you know, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, they kind of have a, a sort of de facto third round draft pick coming this year in the form of Calvin Austin, the third. So maybe that minimizes their need to spend a high draft pick somewhere else and frees them up to take a fairly high pick elsewhere, like an edge rusher. And I, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, but I definitely hope that they do address that position. Let's go ahead. And I'm just going to ask you, uh, you know, straight up, if they bring back a guy like Ogunjobi, is it, uh, do they just go ahead and look at defensive linemen in the draft? And if they bring back a guy like Cam Sutton, or do you kind of feel that the plan is if he's too expensive, that it's probably going to be a corner in the first round? Yeah. I mean, if I had to lay money right now, uh, <laughs> which is I'm terrible at when it comes to the Steelers, because I just can't get like my heart in my away from my head. <laughs> I'm really bad betting the Steelers. But if I had to lay money right now on what where the Steelers will go in the first round, my suspicion is it will be corner because there's some pretty good ones who are likely to be around at 17. And, you know, the other spot that people talk about a lot for them is offensive tackle, but it looks like the, that there's three top-tier offensive tackles, uh, and it doesn't really seem as though any of those guys are going to last to number 17. So, so, but then you got another group of offensive tackles that's pretty good that maybe the Steelers can snap up with that that number thirty two pick. So it feels like corner is is really in play for the first round, um, which means then you know that yeah you 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 address corner there and if you can get Ogan Joby back then you probably address the defensive line somewhere in you know again in those first four rounds as well. Uh, you got you'd have Ogan Joby and Hayward as your as your sort of you know starters and not every down lineman but your your guys when you run your base three four and your two four five sub package and then that third guy became, becomes somebody in the mix of Leal most likely Leal who shows the most promise and then maybe a Montrevious Adams if the Steelers bring him back and uh, and maybe Isaiah Loudon look if he steps up you know you wonder is he going to be is he going to progress because he didn't seem to progress much this past year, you know? So, and then maybe you throw like a, a third or fourth round draft pick into that mix as well. I think that's a really good plan. If Andy Weidel steps aside, uh, you're my vote for next Steelers assistant GM. Uh, I would be roundly booed and rejected. <laughs> Can you imagine the headlines? Steelers hire <laughs> high school coach who has never had any NFL experience as their uh, <laughs> assistant GM. That well, I I'm going for it. I'm I'm lobbying. I appreciate, man. I'm telling you, man. You're you're my hype man. I love it. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I really am. And I don't have to. I don't have to flatter you. You. The joke's on you. You already like me. 
Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> There's one group that, man, I really want to just talk about briefly, and that's the safeties, because that's really where the Steelers have to make some tough decisions, because you got – I mean, they, they ran a three-safety package this past year that was very good. Once uh, once DeMonte Kazee got healthy, uh, they were able to put him and Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds on the field together or mix and match some combination out of two of the three. And it really did some did, did some uh, some good things for that defense. Megan Fitzpatrick had probably the best year of his NFL career. And I believe one of the big reasons he did was because with DeMonte Kazee in the lineup, uh, playing that deep center field role, which Kazee was really good at, it freed up Minka Fitzpatrick to be able to roam some more and do some Troy Palomalu kind of things, which I think he excelled at. So with Kazee and Edmonds both scheduled to hit free agency, man, the Steelers have a really tough decision to make there. You know, I'd, I'd love to see them bring both of them back. I don't know if they can. Um, I don't, you know, they certainly can't if they throw a lot of money at Cam Sutton or even at Joby, they might have to make a decision there. And so now that becomes the question becomes, you know, well, which one, which one do you sign? You know, like, cause he's 29 cause he fits better with Fitzpatrick, but he's also 29 years old. Um, and he's got, he's had some injury history. So you worry about that. Edmonds is younger. I mean, it feels like Edmonds has been here forever, but he's still only 25. Uh, and he knows the system really, really well. So, I don't know, man. You know, who do you sign? If you had your preference, Brian, between Kazee and Edmonds, who would you who would you bring back? You know, it's probably uh fifty point five to forty nine point five, and it's probably going to be Edmonds. Yeah, the youth is is attractive there, obviously. And you can you can pair him with Fitzpatrick for a longer period. That was my choice too, but boy, I love uh how Fitzpatrick played with Kazee. Selfishly, I'd love to have them both back. I would too, and I think that would be great, but in this day and age, and like we were talking on the preview, it's not 1979 when everybody's homegrown. You cannot do that ever again, and it's even though these guys, KZ wasn't homegrown, it's just you can't keep these guys together anymore. No, no, the cap and the amount of money, obviously, that the the high-end guys command, it just makes it too hard. You really got to prioritize. You really do. So, Kevin, let's go ahead and uh, we kind of have a plan. You know, safety, I think that's addressed more in free agency, but is that a low a low pick if you go ahead and bring somebody in? Is that a sixth or a seventh? I don't think they have a sixth. Is that one of their sevens? Yeah, I think they definitely, um, you know, they try, to, they, they try to retain one of those two, uh, Kazir or, or Edmonds, and then – you know, they, they see if they can work with Trey Norwood uh, as their third guy. He didn't have a great year this past year, but he was a fourth guy. And and I don't think his role was really well defined. So maybe with a better defined role, you get a little more out of him. And then you look for that fourth guy as a late round pick or maybe an undrafted free agent. All right, let's take a look at dude of the week. I kind of think it's a no brainer, but if you have another guy, bring him up. No, I'm going to let you take this because you had a great suggestion and uh, I'm all for it. All right. I'm just going to say his name and I'm going to let Kevin roll on this. It's Omar Khan. Yeah, so so Omar Khan uh, did something pretty special this past, this past week. He was the only general manager in the uh, NFL to show up uh, at the HBCU Combine, uh, historically black colleges, and um, 
He spoke to all the players there. His message was fantastic. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, he had a line where he talked about how, you know, all of the guys there, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're auditioning for uh, the coaches, for, for yourselves, for each other, et cetera. But, uh, but what, you know, what you're really doing right now, I came down to see you because, you know, I believe in you guys and, 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 you know, while I'm here, you know, don't put on a show. I mean, he really kind of gave him the message that like, you know, don't be, don't feel slighted. Uh, don't feel as though you're not valued. Um, you know, we're, I'm here because, because I do value you. And you sort of put that message out there. And, and uh, I thought that the notion of like, you know, this is your shot, right? Right now, what you're doing right here is, is the opportunity to realize a lifelong dream. Uh, and, and whether it's on ESPN and you have, you know, people from all over the country following it or, or it's one general manager, right? It's, it's the opportunity to realize a dream. Uh, and I thought that was a great message. And it's especially important given the fact that the Steelers have a long history. You know, if you go back to the 1970s and you think about players like John Stallworth and Donnie Shell, right, of, of kind of getting these guys out of uh, these HBCU schools. Um, and I thought that Omar Khan really sort of paid homage to the Steelers' history by, by doing that. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for what he did. How many GMs right now have a uh, have teeth marks on their butt right now um, from getting chewed out because they weren't there and the Steelers were the only team there? That's interesting, right? How many owners took note of that and kind of said to their own GMs, you know, why weren't you there, right? Especially when you look at the talent that's come out of those schools. You know, there's not a lot of first-round draft picks that come from those schools because that's not high-level D1 football. But there's some tremendous athletes there, and you always seem to be able to kind of mine, you know, some some diamonds in the rough or some players who are pretty special. Uh, you know, I mean, my gosh, Walter Payton was an HBCU player. You know, the the, the national uh, Division two player of the year, which is from a, a an HBCU school, is a guy named a kid named Jada Byers, uh, who's from our area and that I coached against, unfortunately, and he absolutely lit us up. When he was here, he was a phenomenal player. He plays at Virginia Union uh, and was the national uh, player of the year. And um, he's a special kid, man. He, he's just not real big. He's only about five foot eight as a running back, um, but an absolutely special football player. And, and there's lots of there's lots of Jada Byers types playing at those schools. And I think that Omar Khan recognizes, uh, you know, that if you get a guy like that into the right situation and you coach him up, you got an opportunity to, to find a real diamond in the rough, you know? So I, I would imagine there's a lot of NFL owners thinking to themselves, damn, we should have been there. Well, you know, you mentioned Donnie shell and Donnie shells, one of those guys that came from South Carolina state. If you go back to 2016, there's two very good players that came out of South Carolina state. The Steelers selected one when everybody wanted them to take Andrew Billings out of Baylor they took Javon Hargrave, but the Colts in the second round took one Darius Leonard from South Carolina State as well. And I got to tell you, that guy's an all-pro. Yeah, he's you know been one of the best in the league now for a while, for sure. So you would think, you know, like like you'd think, uh, and you know, Indy grabs Darius Leonard. Why, why aren't they there? Why you know what? What's it take? What's going on right now? I know teams are preparing for the draft and free agency and all that, but for the most part, you know, this is one of the quietest times, just this sort of 
window here in these three or four weeks, like from around at the end of the playoffs and into when the combine hits. Uh, so you would think that like more than one team could get there, send some kind of a representative. Absolutely. And that's something they need to start doing. So Kevin, it's time for us to get out of here. You know, great show as always. I, I sat back. I still think I talk way too much and I try to talk less when you're chatting because man, you put on a clinic and you did it once again tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to moving uh, to the new network and, and a new venture with some new people. It's, it's pretty exciting, man. This is, it just is, this is going to just get bigger and better. Yeah. I am really excited for this whole thing to uh, stay tuned. Lots of great stuff happening. Lots of great stuff happening here on the Steel Curtain Network, uh, we announced today that uh, we're going to be enjoying the talents of uh, the great Jim Wexel, who's going to uh, have his YouTube show, the audio here on Steel Curtain Network, and that's going to be on Wednesdays. But uh, all the great stuff, you know, from what Ian's talking about that was yesterday, the Steelers preview, uh, later on today, you're going to have another episode of the homies coming out on YouTube. You're going to have the final episode of Steelers touchdown under and, you know, Dave Schofield and I have a new show the week that was where we uh, kind of uh, channel our own weekend update guys and uh, from Saturday night live and try to have fun with it. And of course on Friday it's let's ride. It's the flagship. It's fantastic. Don't miss any of that. But in the meantime, Kevin, there's one thing to do and it's keeping your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycles. <laughs>